Welcome back again to another episode of the Real Estate for All podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Middlebrooks, Navy veteran and realtor, joined by Cynthia Davis, owner and broker of Alert. We're here this week to talk to you about the rental market and the homes that have been bought up in large numbers by many investors to rent and also a couple other things that are being tossed around in the uh, legislative body about potentially designating zones as rental only zones and for sale only zones. So that's what we have to talk to you about today. But uh, before we jump into it, just want to say that our thoughts and prayers are with the people that are in Ukraine. There's a lot of tragic loss of life that is going on right now with the conflict that is happening in Ukraine. And so uh, having been a person that has served in the military and actually conducted military exercises in Ukraine, um, I've been in the country and uh, it was a pleasant experience when I was there. Beautiful country, beautiful people. Uh, it was nothing but kindness that I experienced and to see what's going on there now, um, it, it is saddening. So um, our thoughts and prayers are definitely with the people in Ukraine and the the devastation that's taking place there right now. And we are definitely in prayer and hopeful for a quick and peaceful resolution. Uh, I say peaceful, even though we are already in conflict, but we are definitely in hope for a, a quick resolution um, that can be, you know, favorable for all uh, to this conflict. So it's not one that is long drawn out. So with that, we'll get started. So this week we are talking about the rent to own or rather homes that are being not just bought for rent only purposes, but homes that are also being built for rental only. So there has been in this housing crisis, a huge shortage of homes and an increase in demand. And a lot of investors have been pricing out the first time home buyers out of the market because they're able to pay cash for a lot of the homes that are available for sale on the market. And so a lot of the homes that are currently on the market being bought up by investors are not fix and flips. Some of them are, but a lot of them are actually just being bought and then turned into long term rentals for people to rent. And so we, we have, you know, a lot of home buyers who would like to own a home, but they're not able to right now. And you have a lot of homes or the few homes that are available that are being turned into uh, rental homes. And so obviously this has been having a impact on the market. Um, the shortage of homes and the increased demand has already been driving up prices. But then with the large amount of investors, not just individual investors, but corporate investors that have tens, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars on their balance sheets, that are able to go out and buy up large amounts of property and turn those into rentals because uh, that's something that they view as being a profitable endeavor. Um, and being in real estate, real estate has throughout history shown to be a good investment um, over the long term. And so we're in a time now where we're seeing a lot of investors, corporate investors, institutional investors, and individual investors that are just entering into just really hardcore buying up all of these rental, uh, all of these homes and turning them into long-term rentals, which is taking even more homes off the market. Wow, it is really concerning 
because what I am seeing and what has been the trend over the last two, three years is, is that we are seeing not only big builders designating new construction as rentals only, but we're seeing, just as you said, the smaller uh, builders and the smaller investors buying up properties, converting them into long-term rental. Why, you say? Why not send your rentals to apartments? Because it has been shown that majority of rentals would prefer to be in single-family dwellings. So what they're doing is building communities of single-family homes, which are then turn into rental properties only. So what happens is, is that it was reading in Forbes magazine, and in that magazine it says, at the time there was about a 5%, uh, there were about only 5% of the homes that were being built were being converted to rental single family homes only. However, the, the pace at which they are being built is concerning. And so it's very profitable for a, an investor to have that ongoing income every month instead of buying and selling. And then they only get that little, that piece of money once at the closing table. But now it is ongoing. And at the same time, the value of the property is increasing and they are not contributing to the increase, they're only benefiting from it because someone else is paying, again, that mortgage. Another thing that makes it a tougher time, it's already tough with the uh, rising home prices over the last couple years of the pandemic, but we are now in an inflationary period where the prices of everything is going up. So in addition to the home prices, which have seen spikes in the last two years, we're now seeing spikes in gas prices, which we didn't really, we didn't really have in 2020 when no one was driving that much. And so food prices going up, uh, taxes going up, a lot of things are going up. I know the uh, Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so the cost to borrow money is increasing as well. And so having real estate, one thing you see with landlords or the people that own the real estate is that they raise the rents and that's how they pass those costs along to the renters. It's not something that they shoulder. And typically when rents are raised, they don't come back down. Just thinking of, you know, the history that I've seen throughout the housing market, Home prices go up and to the right pretty much. And it's, you'll have these dips like in the 08 recession where you know they come down again a little bit, but then they shoot back even higher and higher. And the same thing happens with rents where if there's inflation, landlords are gonna pass that off to the tenants uh, as you would expect. And the tenants are gonna shoulder much of that. And so it's just gonna be more expensive to rent. Well, if you're owning homes, like all these investors that are buying up properties, they are, I don't wanna say completely sheltered, but it is a nice hedge against inflation if you own a lot of rental property that's being rented out because all the increases in your cost of conducting business are being paid for by your renters. So you don't have that burden falling on your shoulders when you have these properties being rented out. That falls to your the people that you're leasing the property to. That falls to your tenants. And so, 
Another aspect to look at it is that I think of it from the terms of people who, again, want to buy a home but can't, and so they're forced to rent because they're not able to find something to buy, whether it be that the prices have rose beyond what they're able to afford or whether it be that investors are just jumping on the properties because they can pay all cash and you have to finance with an FHA or a conventional loan and cash is just more appealing as we spoke about in a previous podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so another way that that hurts the people who want to buy but are forced to rent is that those people are now going to be paying higher and higher rent prices. And so as inflation kicks up, your rent is going to go up. Um, you know, when it comes time to renew your lease or whatever. Whereas if you buy a home, your mortgage is the same for that 30 year fixed rate. It doesn't change. So if inflation kicks up a whole lot, your mortgage cost doesn't go up. Your mortgage cost stays the same. However, if you're renting that next year, that next six months or whenever it is that next, if you're living month to month on a month to month lease, Every month that could have the potential to go up a little bit higher. And so it, it does put the people who want to buy homes but can't because they're being either uh, squeezed out by investors or because the prices are getting so high that they're out of their range that now their cost of living is continually increasing as you uh, as they continue to pay rent and sign on for another year or another month or whatever. Um, whereas if you have that mortgage, again, a fixed rate mortgage is fixed. If inflation goes up over the next course of the next year or whatever, your mortgage is set. It's what it is. Your principal and interest is. Your principal and interest, interest is, set. is set. But your taxes and insurance might change. Might and that yes. might just make the adjustment in your actual payment a little bit higher or lower one way or the other, but your principal and interest remains the same. Correct. And it's almost when you think about it, those that do not have cash to pay for a home are penalized each time they have to renew that lease. They're being penalized because they do not have the funds, which it puts them in a position to have to rent, but at a rate much higher than they would if they could just get financing for a home, which they qualify for. They just can't buy, and I hate to see them you know, being nudged and edged and squeezed out of a market to purchase a home because that's what most people really want to do in life is purchase their own home. But then we get back to that old supply and demand. Supply and demand, the supply is so, so low. The demand is so, so high in, on either end of the spectrum, be it for purchase or for rentals. And so it is given such an advantage to either the seller or the, uh, or the buyer with cash or the investor who is building those properties for, for tenants. I want to move to another point that you have more firsthand knowledge of with the uh, meetings that you recently attended. Some people are seeing that one way to mitigate this problem is by designating certain houses as rental onlys and designating other houses as for sale only, but not just houses. We're talking about entire areas in a city or in a county as these are, you know, rent to only areas. Right. I was in attendance 
meeting where we had the representatives and senators was coming to speak to us. And we were, as realtors, were supporting certain bills and we're not for certain bills. Well, this one bill is to come and amend a bill that is already in place. Amend it so it will not allow counties to designate certain areas of the counties as, no, you can't rent single family homes in this area, but if you go over here, you can rent single family homes in this area. This does not pertain to apartments, but only to single family dwellings. So what we're saying now is, is we're gonna even determine what areas the people can live in. The, because if the, now you put in the ability of the county to decide it's that they can, even if they qualify for a house, they still cannot lease a single family home in this area because this area has not been designated as a rentable single family home area. So now you're telling the homeowner or you're minimizing the homeowner's property rights. And this is, again, uh, things that are up for a vote right now, but not things that have already been instituted and become law. In some counties, they have passed it and made it such that you can only rent single family homes in a certain area and you can and you cannot in another area of the town. What we're what we're uh, supporting is no further extension of that no county should be able to determine a certain area as more ideal for renting single family homes in opposed to other, because then we get into a whole nother, where does fair housing come in to play? And just for our listeners, um, cause we do have some listeners that are out of state as well. So this is specifically uh, referring to the state of Georgia, which is where uh, both myself and Cynthia are licensed as uh, realtors, um, as real estate agents. This, my firsthand knowledge is with it in Georgia. Georgia is not the only county, not the only state where it is happening. I just don't know about as much information in the other states. So this is something that we see as a potential to cause further harm to the market as we move forward. So we're trying to minimize that now. I stand on the side with you, whereas I don't see it as being a good thing when you designate certain parts of a county as rental only and certain parts of a county as for sale only, and then people who have to rent homes are forced to only be able to rent in a certain part of the area and they can't live where they would like to live. Um, so I'm with you and I'm against the separation of for rent and for sale only to designating that. But in trying to view the situation from both sides, uh, I was trying to force myself to see what would be the benefits of having that. And what I was able to come up with is that it would be a way to slow the increase of just homes that can be bought up everywhere by investors who have deep pockets and the common, you know, middle class buyer who's looking to purchase their first home or whatever, a low income buyer who's looking to purchase their first home can't get a home because 
no one's taking the FHA anymore. No one's putting out, uh, sellers aren't helping with closing costs these days. So that's more that's coming on the buyer. Um, and if you have deep pockets and you, you know, you've got the money to just, to just shell out, that's nothing. But if you're looking to buy your first time home, $8,000 to come to the table might be a lot to purchase your first home. So I'm looking at it, at least trying to look at it from the other viewpoint to whereas it's a way that I could see some people would try to use to say, you know what, this is a way that we can have, we can slow the bleeding of these homes just being purchased in large amounts because now you're, you can't just buy homes in this for sale only part of town and turn them into rentals because that's not allowed. You have to do it over in this other part of town where it's only rentals and this is the only playground, so to speak, that you're allowed to play in, but you're not allowed to do that over here. So over here is where all of these properties can just be purchased and then sold, but you can't hold them and turn them into rentals, which is what you have a lot of happening right now is, you know, like I said, institutional investors, corporate investors, uh, individual investors who have, you know, money to throw into homes, paying cash for a lot of these homes, buying them up, turning them into rentals, and it's taking even more houses off the market in a housing market that already is in a crisis. Well, then what comes into play is what are the determining factors? What are the criteria that you're going to put into place to determine which side of town is going to get the rentals and which side of town is going to get the, 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 the for, for rent or the for, for sale? Are they being weighed equally? So you have a lot that's being played. Now, I will say there are counties in the state of Georgia that have already instituted a cap of, of a percentage of rentals for that county. They have not said there's a cap on a certain area of the county, but there's a cap overall for rental. And that is the way some of the counties are, are limiting rentals. They just made a blanket percentage. And so that is happening. But when you start to, trying to determine how you're gonna decide which side of town is going to have the rentals and which side is not? What are you going to base it upon? Are schools coming into play here? That's true because people have a right to take their kids to school where in the school district that they would like to, you know, assuming they live in that district. But if people aren't allowed to live in that district because there aren't, they're, they're not able to rent in that district, then um, that might be an issue. But then you also have some people on the other side of the coin that that would affect in terms of you have some people that don't want to buy a home. Maybe they are just in a city for a short period of time. They just need to rent up a house for a year or two, live there and not have all of the stuff that comes with trying to sell a house or whatever. It comes. They, they're like, I just need a place to rent for a little bit while I'm here. And then I'm on to the next city because they work a job where they're traveling or they are just not interested in purchasing a home at that particular time. And for those people, it affects them also, because now we've been looking at it from the viewpoint of, you know, the people that want to buy but aren't able to. And now they're forced to live in this area of town. But you have some people who want to rent because they're only in a particular area or they don't know the area that well. And maybe they want to live in a particular area for a while to get to know the area. But now it's like you have to live in this part of town 
because that's where the rental houses are allowed to be. And then everywhere else, you're not able to, to live in because you have to buy if you want to live over there. And so it hinders those people as well if you're looking at it from that aspect. And then I think about our military who are very transient often. They move every couple of two, three years. But what do they typically do is rent for a moment before they might try and purchase. But then it's going to affect them greatly, I believe, when you're now saying, okay, we don't mind you coming in and renting, but check out this side over here, okay? And so it's just, it's, it's, uh, I think it's an opportunity for disaster. <laughs> put it that way. There is definitely a lot of opportunity for it to that pendulum to swing way in one direction or the other. Um, again, having been having served in the military before, part of the freedom, particularly when I was stationed in the U.S. because I've been stationed overseas as well, was that you get to live where you want to live. Um, you're not forced to live on base in military housing. Um, you are when you're a certain rank, but after you uh, promote to a certain rank above, if you're enlisted, um, if you're commissioned, you just get to live where you want to live. Then, um, you know, you can go and rent a house in whatever part of town it is you want to live in. But like you said, military very transient and they move from city to city or get transferred from base to base and now you're saying oh all the military y'all have to y'all have to live here if you're going to rent otherwise you have to buy a house in this city and live over here exactly. and that that kind of puts what i see as a unfair uh stipulation on where military personnel and everybody else who's not military has to abide by now for whatever reasons that have been set in place and like i said the only reason only thing that i could see that comes to my mind is that it would limit the large buying of just homes in general all over the place and turning them into rent. Nope, we're going to set it to just this area and that's all. Um, but outside of that, I, I see so much potential for negative to come out of that. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that comes to my mind is I don't have all of the numbers for the demographics, but I see that opening up a whole can of segregation mm -hmm. that can take place. Mm -hmm. Again, not having all the numbers, but I would venture to say that a lot of minorities, um, lower income people, uh, younger people um, tend to be more of your renters. So now you're taking a group of the population that's younger, a minority or whatever and now it's those people are all going to be over here in the rental side of town and you know your different people are going to be over here in this part of town and I see that division happening because again I don't have the numbers in front of me but I would guess that a large part of your renters are minorities and a large part of your renters also are tend to be younger they're not, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, maybe in your 20s or 30s. And so um, I think you're segregating people at that point to where you're, you're forcing all these people to live in one area. And now all these other people get to live in this other area. And that's another intended, unintended, doesn't matter. It's something else that could come out of that um, when you put stipulations like this in place for entire areas or states. If the goal is to alleviate a problem, 
or to slow it down or to manage a problem that they see, you know, we don't want this many investors coming in renting, then we're going to have to look at the end from the beginning to see what are we creating with the resolution that's being offered here. Because then, as you're stating, we're age isolating people, you know. So is that really what we want? You know, I know we have uh, the homes that are built for senior living, but that's totally different than what we're talking about. Those people, those, those areas were built for that specific purpose. And so they have covenants that you have to comply with. And then people buy into those areas knowing that. But we're talking about taking something that already exists and now we're going to change it tremendously. We're going to affect the home ownership rights of the property owner, owner so that we can try and slow down, change, alleviate, alleviate or create another solution. And at the same time, I see other opportunities for other issues being created. Yeah, and like you said, those senior living uh, communities were mm -hmm. created for that purpose exactly. and the policies were instituted in place for that community of people. Mm -hmm. This is being created for some other purpose and the unintended consequences that could, you know, trickle down from that are segregation of race and segregation of age mm -hmm. and segregation of whatever else there's that becomes an unintended consequence which can in some aspects be worse than what it is that you're actually trying to alleviate mm -hmm. it's like we're taking steps backwards here if we don't look at what are the unintended consequences of what it is we're trying to do so if, on the one hand it's like this is a way to slow down the large buying of property whatever it the reason is behind wanting to separate rental and homes for sale into different parts of the city it's is equally as important to look at what are the unintended consequences of doing that because those consequences could prove far worse than the gain that you think you will have from moving forward with this separation of rental and for sale homes mm -hmm. uh, across a state or a county or a city or whatever it might be. Um, so I, I definitely think that that needs to be something that is considered heavily. And uh, I am hopeful that the people that are in charge will consider it. I'm hopeful also that the word will get out there so that the general public can weigh in on um, if this is a direction that they want to move forward in. Um, it's definitely not one that I want to move forward in. I think there are other ways to mitigate the problems that we see for without creating other problems um, in the course of that mitigation that could potentially be worse than the mitigation that we're trying to, or the problems that we're trying to solve. But um, yeah, uh, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at with it. So with that, that is all that we have for you this week on the Real Estate for All podcast. Please visit our Facebook page, like us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook. Visit the website at alertpropertiesre.com. Till next time, keep learning, keep growing.